This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Power Talk on Power 98.7. Continuing the discussion right here on Power Talk as it is 22 minutes to the hour, 11 o'clock. Good morning and welcome back to the show. Yesterday during our open line segment, we had a caller named Owen who brought up a thought-provoking incident that he experienced while at work at a fuel station. So Owen recounted an encounter with a customer, a white individual, I presume, who urged him, a black man, to vote right in the upcoming general elections. Let's listen to that clip. The other thing that I, I wanted to opine on, it's also related to race, actually. And now I work as a petrol attendant. Where I work, whenever I try to initiate a conversation around politics, especially when I engage with a white fellow, mm. a white guy would tell me, hope this time you're going to vote right. And mm. I find that to be very condescending. And it is, annoying. yeah. Because the assumption is I've been voting wrong all this time around. And how does he know what I've been voting for? So as we continue this discussion, this interaction sparked a crucial conversation about the complexities of racial dynamics in politics and also voting behavior here in South Africa. And today we're diving deeper into this topic uh, under the theme Dismantling Racial Divides in Politics and Voting. And this incident shared by Owen serves really as a catalyst for exploring the broader implications of racialized perceptions and biases in political discourse, particularly as we approach the critical electoral process and decisions that are set to be made this year as we head to those elections on the 29th of May. And joining us to unpack these issues is Vusi Kumbi, who's a researcher at the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation at the University of Johannesburg. And with his deep understanding of social dynamics and uh, political landscapes, Vusi brings a wealth of knowledge to our discussion, uh, really shedding light on this intricate interplay between race, identity, and voting patterns in South Africa. Vusi, a pleasure to have you on the program this morning. Thank you so much for having me and good morning to your listeners. So based on Owen's experience and the broader context of racial dynamics in the country, what are your reflections on the significance of this incident in highlighting this persistence of racial divide in political discourse and voter interactions? Um, I think it's, it's very important to understand that um, South Africans and Black South Africans in particular are, bega- are beginning to become more conscious of the fact that um, in 1994 um, the government changed but the social structure remained the same, right? And I think that gives the context to um, the, the racial undertones when it comes to electoral politics in particular because when I was just listening to the clip where, you know, this guy um, details this incident with the white counterpart who says, I hope you voted right next time. And mm. what I picked up were two things. One, this person was saying that when you did not vote right because you probably voted for a black party, and to be quite frank, probably the ANC, right? Now, the second part is that this person did not know whether or not the person might have maybe previously voted for the DA or even more extreme, the Freedom Front Plus, right? So what is important to note in this regard is that 
it is not a, a black and white uh, issue. It's not as easy as it seems, right? It's not easy for black people to wake up and say they are going to abandon the ANC or abandon black political parties, even though South Africa is not where it should be, or even though so many wrong things have happened, right? Mm-hmm. Largely because of where we come from as a country. Black people are the main cognizant of the fact that, yes, you know, so many things have gone wrong in this country, but South Africa is not where it used to be in 1994. Contrary to, you know, social media hype mm-hmm. that, you know, South Africa is regressing. It's very important to understand and acknowledge that South Africa has taken strides in a democratic dispensation. It has taken strides under a black leadership of various ANC governments. Although so many things have gone you know, wrong, it's very important to acknowledge that South Africa is far much better mm. than it was in 1994. And that's why people always take the conscious decision to, so to speak, or for lack of a better term, give another chance to you know a black political party or a black vote and that's why you see mm. those who, not, who then start um, withdrawing from the, the the anc will then find uh, you know expression in parties like the eff you know now uh, parties like atm mm. um and 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 the da itself the fact that um it has been pro- predominantly a white party and it's declining largely because it has been seen as annihilating um, 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 black voters. So it is it, it is that uh, um, epiphany, so yeah, to speak, yeah, yeah. that uh, uh, things are not as black and white and uh, it is very difficult for black people to put their faith and trust in a party that appears to be white. And that's why they tend to vote for the ANC. That's why mm-hmm, you see the mm-hmm. internet growing rapidly as it has been growing. To take from the comments of uh, social commentator and businessman Kayad Langa, in uh, 2011 he wrote uh, an opinion piece uh, offering insights into why some black voters are hesitant to support white majority uh, political parties. And there he emphasizes the notions of uh, self-sufficiency and also pride. You know, how, how do you see these sentiments shaping voter behavior and uh, political allegiances in contemporary South Africa? They, they, they do quite a lot, you know, because remember that apartheid itself was anchored on the notion that black people are incapable, right? That black people can never achieve anything great, that their greatest achievement was um, proximity to white people, right? So with the democratic dispensation, largely the, 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 the African National Congress-led government has been driven by the, by the desire to prove that we can make it, right? And that has largely found expression in um, black uh, voters, right? Black voters and the electorate in particular. And 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 and, and as, as you're asking this question, I'm taking it back, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the DA was hosting its manifesto at the union buildings. And this lady on a public broadcaster said that they want apartheid to come back. And someone said, which was quite profound, this was, um, uh, in not so many ways, an admission that the DA supports apartheid. Because why would a DA a member say that they want apartheid to come back? So that is what informs, you know, politics today. That is what informs the rise of, you know, and the, the steady rise of parties like the EFF, your ATM. That is what um, informs uh, the, the, the renewed uh, faith in the ANC, right? Um, people usually joke on social media saying that the ANC is only unpopular online, mm. but on the ground, people actually love it, right? Because 
when people look at the ANC, and I'll say the DA because it is the official opposition, when people look at between the ANC and the DA, it's a question of better the devil I know than the angel I don't. Mm. That's number, number two, because the DA, like I said earlier, has had a history of annihilating black voters. So it's very difficult to see how black majority would put their faith and trust in a party that has failed to do simple things like call out racism, yeah. right? In a party that has failed to do simple things like, you know, call out apartheid Israel. So I think for black people in particular, it's for them to say that, uh, remember that apartheid was there for, uh, I think, um, over 48 years. Before that, it was colonialism. Mm. So uh, uh, it's all about giving black people a chance to lead and to uh, uh, to advance the country forward. And I, I think this also found expression in what the leader of the Freedom Front Plus said when they were launching the Moonshot Pact, mm-hmm. that South Africa mm-hmm. itself is not yet ready for a white president. Because th- this was initially admitting mm-hmm. that black people are not ready to put their faith in a white leader considering what has happened in the past. We will take a call or two as well if you've got questions for our guest on this topic that we are diving into this morning, and that's about dismantling racial divides in politics and voting. And of course, this incident shared by one of our listeners, Owen, serving as a catalyst for exploring the broader implications of racialized perceptions and biases in political discourse, particularly as we approach the all-important elections. We are in conversation with researcher at the University of Johannesburg's Institute for uh, Pan-African Thought and Conversation that is uh, Vusi Gumbi. And just to give you some context, if you didn't catch the first part of our conversation, uh, during our open line segment, we had a caller named Owen who brought up a thought-provoking incident where he experienced uh, uh, at work at a fuel station where he recounted an encounter with a customer, a white individual who urged him, a black man, to vote right in the upcoming general elections. We speak to uh, Donald right now. Donald in Khampathlele, what's on your mind? Hey, how are you, Ndanda? Very well, sir. Go ahead. No, you know, what, what, what the caller said yesterday is, is true. You know, some of us, we experience it from our own customers who are wives and colleagues. Yeah. And, you know, let me tell you why, Ndanda. Because the Europeans in this country, they never think anything wrong is coming from them. It's always Africans. You know, if you check crime is Africans, if you check corruption, they only block Africans as the problem. You know, so what the caller said is the daily happening. For example, where have you ever had, for example, I was telling your producer now that the DA will never uh, take on the other white party on the timeline or in the public and discredit them because mm-hmm. they don't say anything wrong with them. You know, like there's an incident that happened in, in Western Cape where the women were, were, were robbed and the police car pulled over. They blamed it on the national police to say, hey, and I asked the, the one person to say, then what, what, what is the, the, the MEC of safety in, in, in Western Cape doing? Anything wrong that they, comes from their side, they don't blame themselves. They blame Europeans. We are Africans. We are the face of corruption. We are the face of crime, according to them. And it has always been like that. When they see you in Tanta, they see a face of ANC. Hmm. They will never say, they cannot think you can vote for DA. They will always think you can vote ANC. You are the, 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 the we promote corruption in this country because mm. we are the ANC. That is their mind. That's how they are made to believe and to think. They don't think we can be, we can stand against anyone else. We are part of the problem. They think so. They don't think they can do anything. We can do anything right. They don't see us any as critical thinkers. They don't see us as solution makers. Mm. They see us as part of the problem. And we are. That, that, that's why they started that clip of a, a, a white guy saying, Africa, our blacks are a problem in this country. 
that is exactly how they think of us. They don't see us as people who can be critical and do good. Nothing good comes from us, even if we can be competent, no matter how competent we can be. It's actually been beyond politics. So that color was it's just a, a deep stick, like it's the tip mm-hmm. of an iceberg. There's more to it at work, at streets, everywhere. It's just the tip of the iceberg, according to Donald in Khampatlele, who says that incidents like this are quite, uh, I mean, they are regular occurrence. And he refers to uh, a, a video clip I know that's often used on uh, social media sites where a white man, I'm assuming after an incident with black people uh, con- pertaining to crime, calls calls black people out to say, you know, it's the blacks, bro. You know, if it's, if it's crime, it's the blacks who are responsible. If it's corruption... It's the blacks that are responsible as well. But of course, uh, this uh, uh, this conversation that we are dismantling today or looking into is uh, really the dismantling of racial divide in politics and voting as well. And of course, inspired by an incident shared by one of our listeners, uh, serving as a catalyst for exploring the broader implications of racialized perceptions and biases in the political discourse. We continue with our guest as well, also get a, getting his insights and taking maybe a question or two from our listeners as well on 0861 in a short while. Speak up. Call the power line on 0861-987-000. Continuing our discussion right now on this uh, thought-provoking subject that is a uh, dismantling racial divide in politics and, and voting. Uh, let's take uh, one or two calls and go to Dobsonville right now speaking to Sammy. Sammy, what's on your mind? Good morning, Kanka. In as much as we can complain about racism in everything, but let's be honest with ourselves. The ANC, if you look at what's happening, in fact, the whole of Africa, the African leaders are, are doing a great deal of job at reinforcing the racial stereotypes that African people are incompetent, they are corrupt, and so on and so on. Just look at the state capture. Let's look at the whole, the whole of Africa. Let's be honest with ourselves. So we can talk about the strife that we made since 1994. But during Mbeki's time, the economy was growing at 4 to 5%. Right now, it's growing at less than 1%. Let's be honest with ourselves. So we can talk about racism, but what are African people, African leaders doing? They are reinforcing the racist, the racist stereotypes. Let's stop being emotional and face the facts. Uh, Vosikumbi, you've heard from Sami in uh, Dobsonville, who says, I mean, let's uh, let's not take things personally. I mean, uh, we, we do know that when it comes to especially what has been heard at the state capture hearings, uh, oftentimes the people that testified or were put in the wrong, look at their identity. What are they? Black. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I like the fact when he says we must be objective and look at the facts. Um, because if he's going to try to ride on the wave of Africans proving Europeans right that we are corrupt and that's all we are good for, I think uh, that's that's misinformed because I think I can rebut that argument and say that right now we are faced with a big issue of manipulation of the rent. And that is the issue that never got any airtime from media houses. That is the issue that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the bank paid, I think, around 50 million rand of a fine. So I think it's important for him to acknowledge that in a political space, there are those who determine, uh, you know, who's guilty and who's not. And there are those who determine um, uh, who's right and who's not. Because if he's going to talk about the State Capture Commission, we might as well again talk about, you know, the, 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 the heist <clears throat> uh, 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 um, involving, hmm. um, um, I, I forgot this white guy, uh, uh, where, where 
uh, pension monies were were taken away. Oh, the yes, point yes, I'm trying yes, to make, yeah. the point I'm trying to make, is that corruption doesn't have a black face. Mm. There's just corruption in South Africa, whether it's in the private sector and whether it's in the it's in the private in in the public sector. But what the, the issue with how obviously the media uh, plays this, and and by extension, you know, the rich and powerful is to try is to try to drive a certain narrative. Yeah. The idea that black people are corrupt is null and void. It's neither here or there. It's really grasping at straws because if we look at the extent of the corruption, uh, is it Steinhoff? Mm. Right, the, the 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 corruption at Steinhoff and the monies that were looted yeah. there, no one is is blinking an eye about that. The the manipulation of the rent and the extent to which it 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 led to things like inflation of prices, people losing their bonds, people losing their cars, mm. Mm. and the cost of living being too high because of what you know the banks decided that they didn't want a particular leader. Yeah. So I think it's very important uh, not to take things at face value. It's very important to question things as they happen. It's very important to interrogate. Because if you don't, you'll end up like this guy from Dobsonville who's going to come on radio, speak with, very, uh, speak with confidence and say that, mm. yes, there is merit to what he's saying, that black people are corrupt. But white people are just as corrupt, if not, if not more corrupt. Right now, there's a clip trending on social media yeah. about white Europeans who've come to settle to Cape Town with, you know, holiday visas and they are there mm, buying mm. properties and things like that. No one is saying anything about that because my argument has always been if we are seeing that undocumented migrants are a problem, mm. why are we only focusing on African brothers and sisters who are coming here mm. to try to make a livelihood, albeit a few who obviously do crime, whereas Cape Town, as far as we are concerned, is filled with undocumented migrants mm, from mm. Europe who only came here with a tourism visa. So it's very important that when we do that, we do not find ourselves in the trap of trying to peddle this narrative that yeah. has been put that uh, black people are incapable of even taking care of themselves. Uh, let's take uh, one or two more phone calls right now and also looking at our X timeline Zico Smith, uh, the real Abel Gekana saying, uh, Mr. Sume, I refuse to be painted with the ANC paint Sammy is not speaking for me uh, rebutting the comments there by a previous caller. Uh, we go to David in Tembisa right now. David, what's on your mind? David, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, you can go ahead. Give us your uh, your, your two cents. Okay, most of the things have already been covered, but um, what I've, I've noticed um, is that uh, when white people were in power, they had um, a chance long enough to accumulate wealth. And now that wealth actually works in their favor when it comes to media. They run media companies. When they do corruption, their corruption is not as exposed as it would with the black person. Uh, another thing, um, the reason why one of the, um, I mean, most people are uh, moving away from the DA, coming back to parties like the AMC, EFF, and the um, recent one, which is in controversy, because they um, they showed that they were actually racist by removing all the prominent uh, black people from power. Uh, for, for example, like Mosi Maimani and the other lady, I forgot her name, which was um, removed, I think, in a in a very unordinary an unordinary way mm. from the um, GA. That's uh, David in Tembisa giving us uh, his insights there. Let me take one more call and then uh, get the final thoughts from our guest, that is Vusikumbi. Uh, Moses in Bramley, you saying you're not ready to vote for a white majority party. What do you mean? Yeah, you know, white people when I uh, 
they never they will never change these people uh the ANC has just given them a role not to respect us even from 1994 until today how can we vote people look at the DA the the, the white uh, leaders who were brilliant who actually uh, actually uh, run away from that party because they've experienced something that we as ordinary citizens are experiencing of not being respected, of not taken. They're still taking us as if we are a visitor in this country. We are visiting, we are tourists. So we cannot vote these people in into power again. We'd rather go to Rise Mzanzi, all these other parties that are showing us that they can actually solve our problem. Not white people. Even at work, they don't pay us what we deserve. Now they are hiring all the foreigners. It's a merbanyor in this country. Moses in uh, Bramley giving us uh, his insights there. Vusi, let's get your final thoughts right now, but also to add a layer to probably one or, one or two observations that you have from our listeners. I want to speak about, uh, bef- before we go, the shift towards traditionally white non-racial opposition parties, that's what it's been called. It's been noted in recent elections. What do you believe are the driving forces behind uh, this trend and the implications? Uh, what implications does it hold for the political landscape and notions of transracial politics? That's what it's called. Mm. Um, I just wanted to say to David, the caller from Tembisa, you know, in Sitwana Baring, Naka. Or in what we Cyber's concourse in. I hope I said that correctly. Yeah, you he, did. <laughs> he said he said he said it to the T, mm. right? To say even during the apartheid era, there was grave corruption. Apartheid would have never been uh, the type of state machinery that it did to oppress mm. uh, people of color if there was no uh, coordinated effort to be corrupt. But we never know these things. Mm. The fact that when they saw that they were losing power, they looted the state and today they run these media houses who drive public narrative and who make it seem as if everything is dark and gloom and, mm. you know, there is despair in the country. So I think it's very important to guard against that notion of saying that uh, uh, life was better during apartheid or the fact that uh, uh, white people are better capable of uh, leading South Africa uh, because, you know, during apartheid there was no problem. My argument has always been, obviously, during apartheid there wouldn't be, uh, uh, you know, things like, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm not sure to what extent, but some of these issues were, were obviously not there because, one, they were not catering for everyone. Mm. The apartheid state was catering for a few minority. That's why it was able to be a well oiled functioning machine not that it was in a position to cater for everyone right and when it comes to transracial uh, politics and their implications for south africa yeah. um like i said at the beginning right it's very important to note that in 1994 the 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 but everything else remained the same, including the racial undertones that uh, make black people who vote for any other party except the white party mm-hmm. redundant and stupid. Because, I mean, there was a lawyer who came on Twitter, and unfortunately this is a black lawyer, yeah. who came on Twitter and said that uh, people vote for the ANC to benefit uh, financially and politically. And I was like, do people vote for the DA and, and, and all these other parties mm-hmm. to, to hear the word of God? No. 
they, everyone votes for a party to uh, benefit po- uh, politically and economically. Everyone, because political parties are in the business of public buying. So it was quite disappointing yeah. to hear that lawyers say that people only vote for the ANC to benefit economically and politically, as if these other parties are not in the same business, right? So I think it's very important yeah. for political parties going forward, especially as our democracy matures, looking at the fact that in these elections, we might not even have an outright majority to understand that in order for South Africa to develop and go forward, mm. we have to go back and confront the issues that were laid under the carpet in 1994. Fortunately, we have run out of time uh, with our con- with our guest, Vusi Gumbi. Unfortunately, uh, I think it is a, a conversation that deserves a, a, a part two, especially as we track towards the uh, upcoming 29th of May elections, the general elections that are happening in South Africa, also exploring pathways towards a more inclusive and equitable political landscape in South Africa. Late for news, my apologies. Here's Nyaka Lotefo. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.